You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. So we're going to start today, okay, just to uh, remind us a little bit of what's been going on for us as a family. We've been in this journey of walking through the whole Bible together, okay? And right for Christmas, we finished the Old Testament and we were able to go a little bit into the new one. Do you remember what book we are going through now? Yes, we started with the book of Matthew. And we were able to see, okay, the first thing that Matthew does is try to graph from the Old Testament all the prophecies, all the proof that he needs to really declare and just 100% positive to say, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfills the prophecies. He goes through the genealogy to really present it. This is proof one, and then goes through his birth, uh, the angels and everything. And if you still don't know that that's real, he tells the story of the wise men, remember, and that's just culturally sealing the truth, declaring that by them doing what they did and coming as they came, they declared, this is the true king. And in the culture, everybody knew, like, wow, this is the true king. So Jesus is king. So today, going to be still New Testament, a little bit different. We're going to go fully into the gospel, okay? And we're going to have like a base like a foundation okay to what are the gospels what is this about and jesus is going to be just i know revealing himself still speaking okay so we're going to learn a little bit of each one of these and what the whole thing is about okay so just to add to the prayer to the presence already um Holy Spirit, I ask you and we all ask you to keep moving. And today it's a new day and we are so aware that we need you like never before. So we ask you to move in our lives like we've never seen you before. Reveal yourself in new ways. Manifest yourself in new ways. Open our eyes so that we can see you and we can hear you. And you reveal Jesus to each one of us in ways that only you can do it. And we thank you in advance for what you will do today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. So, the New Testament. When you open your Bible... Most of us are clearly able to see the division, Old Testament and New Testament, right? We end with the book of Malachi, and then you turn the pages and you find Matthew. But what we don't see, and this was what came to me when I was praying about this, like between those two or three pages, you don't see time. It didn't happen from one day to another in history. There were 400 years in those pages that we don't see. And history says that in those 400 years, God didn't speak through prophets. If you remember in the Old Testament, it was one after another. And God raised this prophet, and he would speak like 
this says the Lord, and he would speak, okay, and he would pass away, but God raised another one, and God says this, and all the time he was leading his people, speaking to them, just revealing himself to them, and then there's this last prophet, and he only says, like, there's going to come one day, Elijah. God is going to send Elijah again, and he will speak. And that's it. Silence. Ten years, 50, 100, 200 years, 300, 400 years. And you can imagine the people through generation to generation. They heard about this God who would speak and all the prophecies that were told. And they were really expectant, just trying to see when is that going to happen. And then, all of a sudden, there's an angel, Gabriel himself, that just appears to a young girl and tells her, you are going to birth the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and he is the Messiah. And you can imagine, I just... I want to picture, maybe someday I'll tell God, you reveal to me what really happened in heaven at that moment and in the spiritual world here in our earth. Something powerful must have happened because this was the point in time when everything was going to change. And this is when the New Testament just began. And it's when we open the Bible and it's so easily it's a privilege to have that easy access to open and you can read and we can get to know what God is saying from that point on because he's never stopped from that point. So this is the New Testament, prophecies fulfilled. And historian says that when this happens, when Jesus comes, more or less 300 prophecies from the Old Testament were all fulfilled in Jesus. 300 after 400 years of silence. So this is the new covenant, the new place where we are living right now. And today we're going to start with that. It's the gospel. So first question for you. Some of you already know, some of you might not know. So in your opinion, what does the word gospel mean? What do you think it means? Yes, yes, Terry and everybody. It's a Greek word. The Greek word is evangelion, and it means good news. And this is the word that we see when we start reading the Bible, especially the New Testament. You see Jesus, and you see Paul, and you see a lot of times in the whole New Testament. Okay, this is the good news. And this is the message that he came to preach, okay? And what came to me was specifically the time when Jesus, he's already walking on earth, and he walks into a synagogue and opens a scroll, because that was the custom to read from this, from this scroll. And he reads from Isaiah 61. And right there, before everybody's eyes, without them realizing it, these prophecies are being fulfilled at that very moment. And this is what we read. It's in Luke 4, 18, and it's from Isaiah 61. Jesus opens the scroll, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. What we call, we can really synonym to proclaim the gospel to the poor, to the oppressed, to the captives. And there's freedom now and there's liberty coming. And with Jesus comes the kingdom of God to our planet, just fully, just immersed. And it's something really amazing. It's supernatural. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Jesus said. Good news, the gospel, the kingdom of God is here right now. So the scholars, the people that study the Bible, explain a little bit how this word gospel, just generalizing, refers to three concepts. So you're going to see just the three very, very quickly because we are already familiar with it, even we maybe not, are not aware. Number one is Jesus, that Jesus himself is the gospel. He is the good news. He comes to earth, and he's the heart of this message. He's the son of God. He became human. He revealed the father so that you and I can get to know him and have new identity new life. Now we have a different perspective. We can live in new ways because his kingdom is like a new country and you get to learn new ways of living. He himself is the gospel. And number two, the second thing, the gospel is also known now like the whole testament, all the books in the whole New Testament because they are all centered in Jesus right? They talk about what he taught, what he did, how we are going supposed to live. They teach us, and they reveal Jesus from beginning to end. So sometimes the whole New Testament can also be known and referred to as the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. And the third concept that we're going to be doing today is the first four books in the New Testament, okay? The ones that wrote about Jesus. Those four books are also referred to as the Gospels, because they talk specifically about Jesus. They tell us about how he came, why he came, what he did, how he did it. He revealed everything about him to us. Even today, after years and years and years, we get access through these four books. Okay? And this is what we're going to be focusing today. We have to remember that even when they are four different writers, God made sure to let us know that all the Bible really is inspired by him. And really, he is the author. He inspired every writer and told them how to write and what to write. And it's just the Holy Spirit moving through each one of them. And this is in 2 Timothy 3.16. And we read very clearly all scripture. All the Bible is inspired by God, and it's for our benefit, for our blessing, so that we can learn, okay? So, another question for you, going now into these four books. Who are the four writers of the Gospels? Can you name them and maybe in order? I know many of you know them by memory. Some might not know them. Logan, raising your hand. Can you name the four? 
Yes, yes, Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John. And we have a fun, like, cartoonist picture. That, let me present you, introduce you to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, so we have these four different writers, okay? And they have different perspectives. I think once I share that if there's, like, a grand event and you see all this media like different TV channels, they represent, there's a journalist representing a channel. So one journalist is going to be writing about the same event from his own perspective, maybe the crowd around that person. Another journalist is going to write like maybe the content of the message. Okay, wow, this was a very important message and writes about the message. Another one is going to write about Maybe the reaction to the message and how, what, I don't know, how many people went. So it's going to be the same event, but you have all these different perspectives and stories, but it's the same thing. So when we read these two writers, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but they have their own perspective okay so we read up from different points of view so we're going to start with mark because in history the very first writer of the four that started writing about jesus was mark it wasn't matthew okay it was mark and he was living in a very very hard time he wrote mainly to the people living in rome and it was the time when they were being killed just because loving and believing in Jesus. So he just decides, I'm going to start writing because they need to remember Jesus. They, they have to see Jesus and just be encouraged, okay? Everything is going to be worth it because Jesus is alive. And he writes his story, his testimony as a witness of what Jesus did. So he's the very first one. He is known to be a collaborator of Paul's. He is a disciple of Peter. So he knows and he writes, okay? Um, the focus generalizing, okay, when you read Mark, are these two points there. Jesus is revealed as the servant of God, a love servant. He's serving everybody. He came to serve and not to be served, okay? And Jesus is the manifestation of God's power. So people that read Mark, they say that you can really describe Mark as the gospel of miracles. There are 21 huge miracles in this book. And you are just amazed reading through Mark to really see Jesus, what he did, and how he did it. And I remember when I first came to Jesus, Somebody, a pastor talking about it, uh, he said, if you go to Mark, one of the main words that you're going to be facing and finding, it's immediately. And I went home and I checked because I was like, I need to check that. And yet, like he describes, Jesus came and he saw Peter and his brother and he called them and they immediately left everything and followed him. And then he came to these other guys. And they call them, and they immediately just, and it's the, like the book of the immediately. So it really speaks of action, okay? When Jesus says something, there's 
action. It moves human beings to action. You just have to do something. Hopefully, say immediately yes to him. Okay, so this is like an action book about Jesus. And then we have Matthew, okay? Matthew and Luke are the books that come after Mark. And it's known that they more or less base their own writer, write, writer, no, writings, sorry, <laughs> uh, on the book of Mark. So if you see the three, I just picture like they are like parallel stories, okay? When you read the three of them, they are going to have a lot of stories in common, and they look very similar. But just read Matthew, and you'll find like some stories that are not in the other two. If you read Luke, and you'll find other stories that are not in the other two, okay? So they have common stories, but they also have some that they are, you cannot find anywhere else. They are writing from their own perspective. So Matthew, I just love Matthew. Okay, when you read the gospel, you find his own story in the story because his occupation was a tax collector. And if you more or less know what that meant, it was the worst occupation you could have at that time. He was a Jew, a Jewish person, in his society, that meant you are a traitor. You are working for the enemy on behalf of the enemy. The ones that are oppressing us, they take our money and they rob us and they steal from us. And you are helping them. And you are cooperating with them. So just imagine his position, hated and despised by his own, and also kind of despised by the oppressors, because he's not one of them. He's a Jewish person. So he's right here in this occupation, being hated, doing something that is really, really bad. It's the worst thing he can do. And then Jesus comes and tells him, follow me. And Mark would say, he immediately left everything and say, yes, left his job, his stolen money, everything and follow Jesus. And in one second, he was accepted, he was loved, he was changed. And this is the Matthew that writes as a witness. He was one of the 12, and he writes about this Jesus that called him and loved him and accepted him and reveals Jesus. The focus is he decides, because he's a Jewish person, he has this background, he decides, I'm going to prove to this people of mine, that he's the Messiah. And he takes a lot from the Old Testament prophecies and just brings them back and tries to convince them, Jesus is the greater Moses. He is the Messiah that we've been waiting. He is our king after this many years. And his focus is, uh, you have to see it. You have to open your eyes. Jesus is the Messiah. And then we have... Oh, Matthew, of course, comes in first place because of that, okay? He's the first book in the New Testament because it really links the Old Testament with the New Testament. So Jesus is presented as, as this bridge, the connection between the two. And that's very, very important, okay? And then we have Luke, okay? And Luke... It's interesting because it's very different to Matthew. 
he is a medical doctor. He's a physician. And even at that time, physicians were really high in society, so he's really well accepted, good standing. He's very intelligent. Okay, so the way of writing, if you can imagine as you read Luke, okay, it's really detailed. It's good language. He verifies his facts like a good scientist. He researches, researched and asked and just make sure that everything is really true. And he writes it down. Okay? Uh, he witnessed the Holy Spirit moving after Jesus left and he sent his Holy Spirit. He witnesses how Jesus continues to move through his spirit. And this Luke is the same that writes the book of Acts. And you can read how the Holy Spirit continues moving. Okay, so Luke is very, very interesting. He focuses on Jesus as the Savior of the world. Like Jesus is Lord and he came to save us. He's the Messiah. The next one is John. Okay. And John is completely different to the other three. He doesn't follow the other stories. He just decides, I'm going to do my own thing. And I really like it because I picture him as a teenager. He was one of the 12, and he was the youngest of the 12. Some say he might have been from 16 to 18 years old. So let's suppose he was 18 years old. He was very young, and he was just in love with Jesus. He writes and he describes himself like the one who is writing this book, that's me, is the one that Jesus loved. And I was like, oh, I love that. Uh, because it made me picture, like, can you introduce yourself in that way? Like, a hundred percent knowing. Like, hello, I'm Perla, and I'm the one Jesus loves. So, like, <laughs> right? So, and I just picture, like, you have to try to do that every single day. Yeah. Repeat it to yourself. And try to picture Jesus in front of you. Just how, how, what tone would he use when he's facing you and saying, I love you. In such a way that you really believe it. And this is John. And when you read the Bible, he's described like having dinner with Jesus and just leaning his head on, his, on Jesus' chest. And they're like, whoa, what are the others thinking about that? I don't know, but that's a place, like I want to be in that place, right? This is the John that rises. And he so loves Jesus that when you read through his book, you fall in love with Jesus. Because it's just such love. And the miracles that he decides to write about, he's like, no, 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 there are much more things that Jesus did. And he writes about this in such a new way that you get to see Jesus in a way that the other three didn't. Okay, it's a different perspective. But there's one thing that all four decided to write about. And that's the last days of Jesus. They all write about what Jesus did for you and me, how he suffered, he went to the cross, why he went to the cross. He took our place. Every drop of blood was for us to be able to get to know God. 
to know that there's a God that loves us, that gave everything for us. In Jesus, he did give everything for us. And he's alive, that he didn't stay at the cross. He didn't stay in that cave. He is very, very, very much alive right now. And he's with us. And he left his spirit to guide us and to teach us and continue to reveal himself to us. So these are the four books. This is about Jesus. And John, I love how he describes the purpose of this for us to read and go really into Jesus. He says in John 20 these words, there are also many, many other signs or miracles that Jesus performed in the presence of his 12 disciples, which are not written in this book. And why did we decide to write about them? The answer is here, so that you all may believe with a deep, abiding trust that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's the son of God. And that by believing and trusting and relying on Jesus, you may have this new life in his name. And then at the very end of the book, he stresses that even more. And I love, he says like, if I were going to write every single thing that Jesus did, there won't be space on this whole planet for me to put all the books that would be written about that. And we know that's a, like an exaggeration, but it really represents what else did you do that I don't know about? Try to read. I was reading through the Gospels once, and I just found out like, okay, and Jesus went here and did this. And then they went, he, went, he went here and did that. And then after that, he went to this other place and did that. And then at the end, he went to pray and he was tired. And I just was like, stop there. Like, okay, how many things did you do in one day? That was just one day. Imagine three years every single day going like that. Miracle after miracle, story after story that we don't know. And it's there. So the verse that came to me, because I was telling him, okay, what do we get from all of this? And I just sensed that he was saying, like, if I can just, like, draw everyone to me and invite them to fall in love with Jesus, that if you want to see God, just look at Jesus. If you want to really know more about God's heart, just look at Jesus. And Colossians 1 came to me where it says that Jesus is the image, the visible image of the invisible God. Just look at Jesus. So I was praying about it. There's a, an open invitation for that. And what came to my mind was uh, like a, one of those events in very, very well-known uh, bookstores. So I was telling my daughter, you know, you know, I had this picture, like when you go to Barnes & Noble, and there's this banner, and it says, Grand Event. And then you read what's the Grand Event, and it says, Meet the Author. And I just, oh, that spoke to me. Like, he's inviting us to that. There's a Grand Event in the Gospels. 
start reading them and come and meet the author. And the picture that came to me, I, I remember I heard something, and I had to Google it. Like, I remember some phrase like that, and it's this one. The Bible, it's the only book whose author is always present when you read it. It's the only book where, when you are reading it, you really get to meet the author. And I just had this picture. Like, okay, start reading. And I remember when I first came to Christ, uh, a person told me, start reading John. Okay, so it's a very popular, common thing to say, start reading John. So I did. And it, my world went upside down. I remember I would take turns to read, and it reminded me about Terry, what she's doing right now, come to her group and start reading. Because it would take turns reading one verse and one verse. She would read one verse, I would read one verse. There was this passage that we read. I think it was just like four verses. Uh, we were reading in turns, and we had to stop, and we were just crying and crying and thanking Jesus because he was revealing himself to us as we were reading. You fall in love with Jesus. So you can start, like, just make it like a goal, like, Jesus, I want to fall in love with you. I'm going in, and I want to meet you. Start reading Matthew. Start reading John any book that you choose, and just let him speak to you because he's going to cause you to fall more in love with him. And he's going to manifest himself to you. He really wants to do that, and he's going to do that. So that's what I felt he wants to lay before us. Like, respond to him, talk to him, I'm going all in, Jesus. I want to see you. I want to fall in love with you. And you need to talk to me. And you need to reveal yourself to me as I go and read. I want to hear your voice. And I would really challenge you to do it. If you get to a point where you feel really God's presence, share it with the rest of us because we would be so encouraged our faith raises when you see a sister or a brother that is sharing like, this happened to me, I just opened the book, and he's telling me this. And he's reminding me of, uh, just to close, something that happened to Jacobo when he was in second grade, my oldest son. He was in second grade, and we were talking about how God speaks, and I was like, God speaks through the Bible. Really, Mom? He was in the back of the van, I was driving like, yes, and he, has his, he had advice, it happened to Jacobo his Bible right there, and he got quiet for a moment, and he just said, like, Mom, Jesus just spoke to me. And I'm like, really? What did he say? Because he was telling, just saying, I want him to speak to me. Just, I want to hear him. And he just told me, with his second grade boy, like, I opened the Bible, and there's this word highlighted and says, I have much to tell you. And I was like, ooh. He does have much to tell us, much, much to tell us. So let's stand up, and we're going to pray that. And we're going to pray specifically for that. But if you have needs, prayer, God is moving, and he will heal, he will restore, he will deliver. Anything that you need, just come to the front. We'll pray for you. But 
let's all just come and respond to that. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for every single word in the Bible. We thank you for the easy access that we have to the Bible, that we can have as many as we want. We can open it whenever we want. There's no one persecuting us or killing us for reading your word. Teach us to value your word. Teach us to long and hunger and thirst for your word. Because we can see you, Jesus, and all we want is you, Jesus.